let's start with that. Were you not allowed to ever say your name in rehearsal, or was that okay? Oh, from the first day of rehearsal uh, at the meet and greet, it was made very clear that we are all going to say Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 597, Lady Macbeth Herself. I am sitting here with one half of... Shakespeare's most devoted, most passionate, most successful romantic couples, Lady Macbeth herself in the person of Sean Cross, who's playing her in the Scottish play right now in the amazing production at Chicago Shakespeare <laughs> Theater, um, directed by Aaron Posner and the magician Teller, who um, combined to create the amazing Tempest of a few years ago. Um, Let's start with that. Were you not allowed to ever say your name in rehearsal, or was that okay? Oh, from the first day of rehearsal, uh, at the meet and greet, it was made very clear that we are all going to say Macbeth, 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 and that's the name of the play, and these are the... That's the last name of my character, and yes, we will say it freely and let go of any kind of superstition involved, which I enjoy. Um, I feel like the more power you give to something, the more power it has. So um, we have not been afraid of that. And it was great. It happened on the first day and it was done. That's great. Yes, you you are Lady She Who Must Not Be Named. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you're in the theater and you're doing the play, I feel like you can say, I mean, that's what we're doing. Yeah. You know, certainly other people have superstitions, which I respect. But in this production, both of the directors made it very clear that they didn't have any time for that. Because it's a massive play, it and it, and and you guys have added all this magic, literal magic, to the play. So I don't care. I'm, I don't care how long you rehearsed. You probably didn't have enough time. How long did you rehearse? Oh, technicalities. Uh, <laughs> Five weeks, seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, we had a, a longer rehearsal period than is normal here at Chicago Shakes because there were so many cogs in the machine there's magic there's movement there's costumes there's you know the parts of the set that have to be dealt with that pertain to the magic Mm -hmm. there's the story oh right the story yeah 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 (laughs) um well that was the thing that that was the thing that um that my biggest takeaway from the production was that the magic was cool and i'm sure that's the big selling point but it is a very powerful and uh, uh, almost traditional reading of the play it seems to me it's absolutely a, a a great powerful story of ambition and the balance between i guess the story and the magic seemed really Wonderful, and the balance between you and Ian, who played uh, Mr. Macbeth, um, uh, it was so strong too. Was that was it hard finding that balance? Were you were you were you trying to rehearse your play while this other magic stuff was happening, or or, or was it did that balance start in rehearsal, or did, did it take some time finding it? Um, it started early on in December. We were workshopping some magic bits and, uh-huh. and looking at very technical, only technical issues right. with Aaron and Teller. Right. So in my brain, I understood at that point, this is another character in the play. And there's no avoiding it. There's no avoiding the technicalities of this magic. Yeah. Um, 
And I learned that throughout the rehearsal process, too. There were definitely times where we had to accommodate the technicality of what we're trying to do visually and for a spectacle or for a trick or an illusion. Yeah. Um, and it hurts sometimes an artist um, to have to feel like you're bending your story around mm -hmm. that. But I feel like they went hand in hand so well that the tricks support the uh, text that at the end of the day, there was a way. No decisions were made about story that completely bowed to the magic, but it was a very delicate ba balance all the way through. I was allowed to be very vocal and opinionated about when it was appropriate and when it wasn't. Aaron and Teller were very open uh -huh. to my opinions about things, Good. and um, and likewise, I had, had to then be open to them saying, great idea, no, <laughs> let's move on, or great idea, right. yes, let's go further. Is that is that typical that you're um, that in your experience that you're allowed to go ahead and say whatever you want in rehearsal? Well, it's interesting. If you're allowed to, I feel like you don't find out if you're allowed to until you try. And at this point in my career, there's no sense in not trying. It's like there's no question that's a, a dumb question. Right. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, just yeah. let's do it. And you're a collaborative. Of course, there's a, a certain amount of respect and. Um, protocol mm -hmm. in place mm -hmm. the directors has the final say but um, especially in this uh, collaborative that was important and Aaron was very open to everyone's ideas right. and very good at taking them on and using what was useful and then if it wasn't useful in a week and get letting it go or bringing it back right. um, he was very open to that as well um, was this always, has this been a dream to play Lady M? Did you come in with preconceptions going, oh, finally, because I think she's this? Or was it a discovery for you? Or all of the above? Kind of all of the above. Um, this was actually my first Shakespeare role. Um, I played it when uh, about, oh my gosh, 20 years ago? When um, you were five? <laughs> When I was on tour with Shenandoah Shakespeare, uh, which is now the American Shakespeare Center, sure. based out in Stanton, Virginia, and um, so that, and I got to tour with it for yeah. a year. Um, so, and I loved it. I love the play. I love how fast and furious it is. There's just so many things I love about the play, and I do love this role. And so I was really excited to come back and do it again. But now I'm older, and now I've had children. Mm. And a big thing for me approaching her this time was. Where, why is she who she is when we meet her? Mm -hmm. um, we get information ab a little bit about Macbeth and that he's a soldier and that he's up and coming. And I understood that about ambition and a wife wanting her, the best for her husband and to rise to power. Now I understand what it might be. Well, I understand what it ha is to have children. I've gone through postpartum depression and I understand uh, the, the struggle chemically in your brain physically emotionally that women go through after giving birth yeah. and we get real direct very specific information that she's lactating that she's nursed a child mm -hmm. um so i sort of made a backstory decision that she has just had a baby yeah. and she's lost a baby yeah so those are really really big uh emotional and mental um, stumbling blocks or, or, or you know, problems for her to, to have to be dealing with. And that's how we meet her. And that was my keyhole in to why she puts so much yeah. investment into 
her and her husband having some kind of power control um, in their in their life. Well, yes, and it wasn't just backstory for you. It's actually a, there's a moment at, right at the top of the play that tells us of your loss. Yes. Um, uh, well, and there's a there's an interpretation of of the play that suggests that she is the mastermind behind everything and maybe that's a popular interpretation i don't know um um but there's also an interpretation of the play that 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 suggests that the witches are in control of everything and i'm not sure i figured out where your production falls down is that is that something that you guys discussed who's in who's ultimately controlling things here and if it is, you don't have to reveal it. <laughs> right. Well, that's a great question. And yes, it was throughout. If you'll know, if, well, I'm sure you did. But the the witches are in scenes that they're not necessarily right. textually in. Yeah. Um, they're sort of all around. And so right up until opening, their track was changing. When they come in, when they start to vocalize, when they're looking, when they're not, when they repeat something you said. How does that? What are we doing here with the witches? What are we yeah. saying? How much are they in control? Um, I feel like the conversation settled on the witches representing one of two choices uh-huh. that humans have at any given moment. Banquo is a great other side of things. He also is tempted by the prophecy that the witches are right. given. And he there are a couple scenes where he's struggling with his decisions. Right. So it's just like any kind of thought that you know, goes through your head, whatever it is, I could go down that rabbit hole or I could say, no, I'm not going down that rabbit hole and I'm going to practice strength and mm-hmm. and and stop there. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we get clear pictures of two paths. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. The Macbeths keep making choices that lead them deeper and deeper and deeper into something that doesn't ever go anywhere they yeah. they lose everything their ability to love their ability to enjoy anything um you know they get what they desired but they're not content so you know i think the witches really represent uh, the little pushes that you get especially when you're broken especially mm. when you might have ptsd you might have postpartum depression you might be you know wherever you're at in your life yeah. if you're and that's when they really had the witches show up are those moments where humans are changeable, when they're struggling with grief, when they're struggling with something, that's when they come and know that they have more influence. So that was their, that was where the conversation settled about what kind of influence ultimately humans made make decisions. Hello, this is Andy White, Artistic Director of the Looking Glass Theater Company, and I want to thank you personally from the very, very bottom of my bottomless heart for listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll be performing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged at the Pittsburgh Public Theater for four and a half weeks, starting next week on May 31st and running until July 1st, 2018. We also have a bunch of performances of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged, revised, and the ultimate Christmas show abridged, scheduled for this fall of 2018, and we'll get those dates online sometime in June. 
You can see us online reducing Wagner's Ring Cycle, the first five seasons of Lost, and some of Shakespeare's plays for the TV game show Jeopardy. You can also see us on your bookshelves or coffee table if you purchase Pop-Up Shakespeare, illustrated by the magnificent Jenny Mazels and on sale worldwide, and hopefully also in a theater lobby near you. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Sean Cross, who's currently playing Lady Macbeth herself in the Chicago Shakespeare Theater production that runs until June 24th, 2018. So then, this talk of the witches and the magic of the production, how how did the magic help your characterization? I mean, did the, or did the, did the magic help or did, or did you go, oh my God, I've got these speeches and now you want me to do tricks? What, what's going on? You know what I'm, you know what I'm asking? Mm -hmm. And I know what the eloquent answer is and I know what the honest answer is, so I'll just go ahead and be honest. <laughs> that um, it's a struggle for yeah. me to uh, act and be emotional and, and, and open and vulnerable and lead uh, or follow, you know, impulses when you have something very technical to do. Yeah. Um, I am a, I really believe that we get all of the visuals through the language and that's yeah. how Shakespeare wrote was to provide all of that for us. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this is a wrong choice that what we're, we're doing, that we're showing everything, especially in this house. Yeah. It's just a, we're painting with broader strokes. Yeah. But I do find it and have found it very difficult, sort of like stage fighting, to really be in it but then also be very meticulous and controlled about the technical aspects. I'm getting better at it, but it has been hard. Well, you crushed it on Sunday night. Yes. <laughs> Sunday night of opening weekend, you were, it was great because it, it felt, uh, again, going back to the balance of the production, it feels it feels both honest and um, uh, <laughs> rasmatazical, you know? I mean, yeah. the, all the magical. And yet, unlike The Tempest, The Tempest seemed to be very much about the magic. Mm -hmm. This production is about the play. Um, and they're different plays, obviously, but um, um, the magic, I thought, really supported the text, <laughs> whatever struggles the actors are having. I mean, and I think particularly of your, your, your final, you know, mad speech, yeah. um, where, where it gets increasingly more bloody and not less as you're trying to clean yourself off, which is a wonderful, not only visual choice, but textual choice. Yeah, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm growing to love it more and more as, as I settle into it. And I think that Aaron and Teller, and I certainly take it to heart that that is your takeaway, that this is more about the play, because Aaron would have said that to us in rehearsal. Mm. Look, we have a great show. If people come away saying, oh, the magic was amazing, then we haven't done our job. Yeah. We want to tell this story. It, and, you know, as people's responses came back and a lot of it was about the story and then also the magic was cool, I think that was kind of the, the, the balance that we wanted to strike because this is definitely more about a story with some magic propping it up here and there. 
and in fact, my own per- my own personal taste was in the first half of the play, play I was going, oh, uh, there's not going to be as much magic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, they're doing the play. Uh-huh. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and anybody who saw The Tempest, which was amazing, yeah. I just remember being like floating out of there going, what just happened? You know, we'll come yeah. in with that kind of like, ooh, it's going to be another big magic show. Yeah. And there is magic in the show. But it's, it's a, like you said, it's a very different story. Very different story. Did you talk at all about the... Um, uh, the the political background of the of the they think that they think this play was written just after King James came to power just after the um, gunpowder plot of 1605 did you guys talk about the politi- the po- the political background of the creation of the play at all did or were you just going let's just focus on the text and the magic mostly the latter yeah, we did yeah. early on yeah. speak about maybe why Shakespeare would have written you know this play Banquo is, would have uh, had a line that went back to James, I, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a, a way to serve the king a little bit in mm-hmm. there. But then mm-hmm. also, I mean, he just wrote such a beautiful play about ambition yeah. and um, the, the the pitfalls of human desires. Um, they, uh, short story is we did talk about it for a hot second. Yeah. But ultimately, it's our world. We created a whole in world of our own, and it, it was only useful up into a point. Well, and and again, getting back to balance, I I, I was thinking it, it's easy to make the events of the play all happen because of supernatural forces, um, and 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 yet it seemed to be very much it, the illusions helped support the ultimate futility of the delusions of Mr. and Mrs. McBee. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, it felt like it feels like it, yeah, this might be more what you were talking about the Shakespeare why did he write this it's a it's a sop to King James mm. so he's saying that anybody who pres- anybody who presumes to doubt the legitimacy of King James is as deluded mm-hmm. as Macbeth and his lady mm-hmm. um, so in that sense you did you didn't lose you didn't lose a, the human impulse the human story of these two this couple making some really crazy not terribly good choices yeah um, I, I agree. But I just feel like the most important story I would want to tell is that they are human beings. And I love the idea of being on board with them as an audience member saying, oh, he's successful. They're in love. They, you know, they've got a lot going for them. Yeah. And they made the wrong decision. It's sort of like when you see someone who, um, you know, is homeless or, or in a really bad situation on the street. I, you know, it's tempting to say, well, I don't know where, you know, I am so separate from that, that I, they must really have just be separate from me because how could they ever get there? When in reality, it might just be two steps, two, two decisions different than what you would do Mm -hmm. because of whatever circumstances they were in their life. It's, it's, it's such a human, human thing. And a small decision can then snowball into you know, something that you would never, ever imagine. And that's what I love about this play, is that we get a small chance to see something beautiful, maybe love between two people, um, and then it just goes goes south. And, and you, you watch it and, and hopefully feel bad for maybe a little bit. you know Um, because they are you know human beings and I feel like the witches are in charge then we're just talking about monsters then we're just telling a Halloween story you know and it's way more than that it's way more than that 
That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. The Chicago Shakespeare production of Macbeth, directed by Aaron Posner and Teller, runs through June 24, 2018. Go to chicagoshakes.com for more information. Then send us your bloody deeds via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Austin Tishner. And the RSC is now on Instagram, too, at Reduced Shakespeare Company. You can also follow Chicago Shakespeare Theater on Twitter, at Chicago Shakes. Thanks, as always, to Tale Told by an Idiot, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Beth Staples. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Andy White, Connectivity and Engagement Director of Chicago's Looking Glass Theater Company, and also the actor playing Banquo in this Chicago Shakespeare production of Macbeth. Thanks also to Sean Cross for taking the time to talk to me, and to Hannah Kennedy at Chicago Shakespeare for helping me arrange this interview. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 597-1791sts of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. It's such a beautiful, beautiful play. When Macbeth talks to the doctor and says, can you not pluck out from the heart uh, the mind sickness, and I, I don't have it memorized, but he, he says, can't you just fix it? Mm-hmm. Don't you have a medicine to take away these experiences that have sickened my heart, my wife's heart? <laughs> Throw physic to the dog, because I'll have none of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that's a really um, true heart of this play, and especially this production. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.